Genesis chapter 12. And let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for the worship tonight. Thank you for just, Lord, the freedom and the opportunity actually to worship you. Lord, that that we're in right standing with you and that we have an understanding of how great you are and who you are in our lives and um, the fact that you are worthy of our worship. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to be with each person in this room and Help us to continue to, to seek you and to, to search after you in our lives and to allow us to be more like you every day. Father, have a willing heart to do that. And I pray for this area of scripture tonight that, God, that it would speak to us. Um, Lord, that your spirit would just come through the speaker this evening and that it would be your words um, that would praise, um, that would uplift others, that would convict those that need to be convicted, that would comfort those that need to be comforted. And that, Father, that you would just continue to watch over each person in this room as you lovingly do. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this evening. We're going to um, pick up in verse 10. But again, like I I like to to do is kind of recap um, from where we were last week moving into this week so we can kind of springboard in and kind of remind you guys of where we were and what we had talked about last week. So last week, um, God had called Abram to leave his country to leave his, his kindred, his tribe, and his father's house. And, um, and it, for me, it just had a feeling of it was, it was Abram being called away from all those bad influences that were influencing him, his family. You know, it's a bunch of idol worshipers and coming from a land of, of idol worship. And, and to remove him, because again, like I had said last week, it was, it was an understanding for God to not look at the man who Abram was at that moment, a guy who's 75 at that point and had lived his whole life that was idol worshiping and seeking after other things. And, but God knowing that he had a plan for Abram. But in doing that, I've got to remove you from all these comfort creatures that you have in your life. And, and for us, maybe the same thing happened. Maybe you, you grew up in a household the same way. Maybe you came from a household that had that, or maybe you came from an area in your life that was doing that. Maybe you had things that you were doing in your life. And maybe you weren't technically worshiping an idol. You didn't have little bronze stitch statues or wooden statues, but you know, we all know that there's things in our life, probably even today, that we worship. There's things that, we, that we're seeking after. And, and, and for the blessing for um, Abram here is that God said, look, I, I want you to leave all of that. Get away from it. The bad influences in your life, I want those to gone from you so that I can have that time to be able to pour into you. So that when I'm talking to you, you're listening to me and you're not bouncing it off these other things or these other people were kind of influencing you in your life. The next thing that God talked to him, God makes a promise to Abram. You know, and we talked about it last week is there was, there was five I will statements. You know, God's talking to Abram and says, look, I will, I will, I will. He says, I will give you a land. I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And it's just a wonderful reminder for us, and, and we're going to see tonight that, again, the fact that Abram needs to remember who is on his side, who is the one that's going to be able to do those things in his life. And God says, look, I, I'm, I'm letting you know it's, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me that does that. And I'm the one that's going to bless you. I'm the one that's going to provide for you. I'm the one that's going to provide a family for you. I'm the one that's going to provide a nation for you someday. And quite honestly, Abram's not going to see the the fulfillment of most of these promises. He's not going to see the great nation. He's not going to see all of the, the ancestry that's going to come behind him. He's not going to see the kings that are going to come from him. He's not going to see those things. He's he's acting out in faith. And the reminder for us was then as, as well, too, is that, you know, the, the things that I do today, uh, the, the way that I live my life and the, the way that my wife and I have raised our kids is, is not so that I can immediately see that from them. It's so that future generations will continue to live that way. That, yes, I, I, I want to live my life because I want to obey the Lord, but I want to teach my kids to do the same thing. And, and they might stumble and they might fall and they might have to get back up off or their, you know, scump, skipped up knees and stuff like that. But, but to understand that they have an understanding that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And that, that then they would continue that tradition and they'll pass it on to their kids. Abram's not going to see all of the promises that are coming to him from the Lord. But we can't be so single-minded on just me. Again, it can't be just about me. 
It has to be about we. It has to be about the Lord. And my focus is on God and my obeying to him. He says, in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. And we use the New Living Translation. It was Galatians 3, 8, 9. It says, what's more is the scripture looks forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. The Gentiles, again, moving outside of the Jewish faith, the Gentiles, we were just nothing. We were like dogs to the Jewish people. And God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all the nations will be blessed through you. Verse nine says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So it's because of that faith that that we are then able to then see that coming through Jesus Christ. And if you're in here tonight and you're a believer, you've accepted Christ as your savior and you've asked for forgiveness of your sins, you understand that you've received it. You understand that the blessing that I received today is coming through Christ and that it's not something that I've done my own. That's the blessing that we're able to be, be able to be a part of. And then God takes Abram and shows him the land that he's gonna give him. Like, Abram, this is, this is the land here that I'm gonna give you. And Abram, just in, in humble, I think, just at a point of just utmost worship, you know, a man who, again, who lives in a tent, the only thing that he ever builds is an altar. That's the only tangible thing that he builds. He just looks at it at that moment and says, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I gotta worship you. My whole life, I've been looking to, to, to worship something. I've been worshiping idols, and here I am in a relationship, and, and God has chosen me for some reason, and God, this is the land you're gonna give me. Uh, how can my soul and my body not worship you at this moment? And it's a reminder for us as to, in those moments in your life, if you journal, then journal and write these times down that you've been spoken to by the Lord. If there's moments in your life you wanna keep those, you can go back to it and go, man, I'm going through a hard time, but this, this I know. On this day, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord did something in my life. And those become the altars in your life that when you're going through a hard time, you're going through a struggle, there was a moment in your life where you gave your life to the Lord, you bowed your knee to him, and you said, Lord, you're, you're my God. These other things that I've been chasing, these other things that I've been doing, I, I, I don't wanna do it anymore. And I come before you, and I build an altar, and I, Lord, I offer you my life. It's, it's yours. What, what do you want me to do? Well, you'd like to think that Abram just lived a perfect life from there and we could just move on to the next person in the Bible, but Abram's gonna go through some struggles tonight, okay? It's gonna remind us of ourselves at times as well too that we're gonna go through struggles in our life as well too. But unfortunately, or fortunately for us, it's not written in a little transcript that everybody's gonna study for the next 2,000 years. Uh, unfortunately for Abram, we, we, get to, we get to partake in his failures, So as we move on in verse 10 here, it says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. And so again, this is is a moment in Abram's life where he's just got done worshiping the the God that he's now trusting in and there's a famine. And this is, again, is not a strange thing to happen if you're in an agriculture you know, part of the world where they depend on that, and now all of a sudden there's no water, there's lots of sun, and, and things are dying, and how am I going to feed my, my animals? How am I going to plant stuff? How am I going to feed my family? And so this is, they, they look to Egypt. Well, Egypt's not going to be affected by this because they've got the Nile River. Well, let's, let's just go to Egypt. That kind of makes sense, right? Let's go where there's something to be done, where we can go ahead and feed my family and take care of them. But if you look back at this point, is did the Lord tell him to go to Egypt? Or did Abram just decide, hey, look, this makes sense, right? This is the thing that we do, and we just need to head down there. So Egypt's got to be the place to go. Many times in our own life, is we have to imagine, again, what would we do? Would we do the same thing? I know as a guy, I probably would because I would just act quickly and want to be able to move and solve the problem so I can move on to the next task in my life. And, and so maybe you take out a loan or you charge your credit cards and there's a problem in your life. Well, just put it on the credit card. We can handle it and we move on with our life. And I get up the next morning, we just go on with everything that we need to do. But did you pray about it? And did you have an opportunity to, to sit back and realize and, and think through what you're going to be doing here? Again, I'm not saying not to be prudent and to use the resources that you have, but many times in our life, there's so many times that we just act out instead of waiting and listening to the Lord who's promised to take care of us. My needs will be taken care of today. Maybe not my wants, 
The Bible says my needs will be taken care of today. You know, right now I've got, I've got clothes on. I just ate a, a nice meal in there, and I've got a house to stay in tonight. My needs are met, right? And my wants aren't there. I have to pray that my car starts tomorrow morning, if you know my car. There's, there's, there's opportunities there as well, too, so maybe some of my wants aren't there. But the Lord has provided my needs. But Abram has had conversations with the Lord and should at that point have some kind of understanding that the Lord will provide his provisions for him. So Abram then packs up everything and, and he heads down south and he moves on and it says in verse 11, it says, and it comes to pass that when he, closed, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he just said to Sarai, his wife, he said, indeed, I know that you're a woman of beautiful countenance. And therefore, it will happen that when the Egyptians see you and that they will say, hey, this is, this is his wife and they'll kill me, and, but they will ha- let you live. Please say that you're my sister and that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may be lived because of you. It kind of sounds right, right? It's a good conversation to have with your wife as you're heading down someplace that she didn't really have a vote in that you're doing. And so Abram begins to realize that maybe, maybe quite possibly I didn't think this all the way through. You know, I'm heading down to Egypt and my wife is, as you heard Dr. Ellen this weekend, is she's a PYT. She's a pretty young thing. You know, I mean, she's... She's beautiful, she's gorgeous, and, and they're gonna notice that. And maybe, just maybe, I didn't kind of think this one through. And he looks at Sarai and he says, hey, look, you know, when we get down there, just tell him you're my sister, you know, it'd be well for me, you know? He's not, again, thinking of her, he's thinking of himself. And what he asks her to do is, is a partial truth. What we find in Genesis chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Abram had explaining to this to Abimelech for basically doing the same thing that he's doing right now, he didn't learn from that, He tells him, he says, but indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And you say, that's a little weird, and I've got a sister in the back, and that sounds really weird to me that I would marry my sister, but back then, okay, the bloodlines were a little more pure than what they are currently. And actually, it wasn't until Leviticus that Moses said, hey, you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. Like, we need to stop this. The Lord has called us to stop it. So something that happened back then, and so it was not as, as crazy as it is today to think that, but regardless of anything, it's still a partial truth. Okay, it's not the truth. And you're gonna notice quickly that as Abraham continues to move forward, that, that telling partial truths have consequences. Verse 14, he picks up and he says, so it was when Abraham, got, Abraham got, came to, into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. So Abraham's correct here. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and, and, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, and he treated Abram well for her sake. Abram, Abram received sheep and oxen and male donkeys and, and male and female servants and, and female donkey, donkeys and, and camels. So Abram just got rich. I mean, I'm not saying that he sold his wife into slavery, but it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? He's looking at himself and he wants to cover himself. And, and so again, Abram was correct in the fact that she's beautiful. But like many of, the man, of man's plans, there's something that he didn't think through. The princes of Pharaoh's did recommend Sarah to him, to the Pharaoh. And he takes her into his house. In verse 16, he compensates Abram for his sister. And I think the, the thing that you have to worry about here is is don't mistake a financial blessing as approval for your deceitfulness or your lack of integrity. Does that make sense? Just because you financially gain something doesn't mean that the Lord is okay with that. It just means that the world was okay with it. And too many times as Christians, we might, we might curve around something, we might skate on something, we might you know, underhandedly do something and be like, oh, it's okay, it was just a little bit of a lie. But again, it was a a little bit of a lie. I've told you in the past when I had my dealership, uh, my father-in-law and I, uh, many times we would, some of our, our vendors would, would comment that, that they would tell other people that we were, we were too truth. We were, we were too honest in our business. And we were like laugh because you're like too honest. How, like, how are you too honest? You're either honest or you're not honest, right? I mean, there's no, there's no pendulum in there, but in the world there is. There's an opportunity where you're like, well, he's a good guy, man. I mean, he's He's, he's pretty honest. You know, he, he, you can pretty much trust him most of the time. You ever hear that? And you're like, oh, he's pretty honest. Well, I, I'll trust him. You know, what's, what's he do? 
And so again, so it's, it's a point where he's been compensated for this, his, his lack of integrity, his deceitfulness, and now he has gained all this stuff. But don't you think that there's something weird about this? So Abram's lost his wife, so he's probably in his room or his tent at this point or wherever that he's staying at, and don't you think that night he's like, what did I do? I don't know if I'll ever see my wife again. I mean, this is, this is Pharaoh. He's like a god in Egypt, and, and so it's a point where he, there's no way he can storm in there to get his wife back. She is gone. Well, how do you think Sarai felt? I mean, she's been, her husband just left her, and now she's in a position where she's in a strange place, in a strange world. Probably, I don't know if too many people speak the language that she's speaking. She's, she's in, a, in a harem or she's somewhere, and now she's having to trust the fact that my, my husband just did this to me, and he's safe. Maybe she doesn't want him safe at that moment. Maybe she's like, no, I shouldn't have lied. They wanted to kill him, they should have killed him. After what he just did to me, put me in this position, it's not worth it. And here she is. Scared, nervous. Christian, have you ever had those sleepless nights? You're just, you're just laying in your bed and, and you know there's things that are just going on in your life and your, your, your stomach is squirreling and your mind is going 100 miles an hour. And you're like, Lord, what am I doing? Lord, Lord how, how, are you, how are we gonna get out of this? You know, there's a bill to be paid or there's a decision at work to be made or, or, or you fill in the blank of whatever's going on in life. And you're just sitting there and it's just twirling in your mind and it's just twirling in your mind. And I think it's a reminder too, as, as I talked about last week, that, that these are real people. These are real people with real emotions and real feelings. And someday we'll get to Joseph and, and Joseph, can you imagine Joseph being thrown into a pit by his brothers, hoping that he died. I'm just going to leave the guy here. And they're like, you know what? That's not good enough. We can make some money off this kid. So they pull him out, and then they sell him. And he's in a cage being taken to Egypt. I mean, can you imagine the screaming and the cries? Like, brothers, please, please don't do this. But don't, don't, really? Don't, don't do this. Again, real people. Noah in a boat and all the world is on the outside, screaming to be allowed to be in. Real people, real emotions. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house and the great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? I, I, I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go away. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. And so they, well, they, they didn't know how they were going to get out of this position, and, and, and amazingly, the Lord intervenes. Why? Because he had already made a promise to Abram. And he said, quite honestly, I, I knew you were going to do this, and I knew the guy that I was getting involved with, and I know that you were not completely with it upstairs and you're going to make a stupid decision here to kind of do this to your wife and I'm not going to make her suffer for this. So I'm going to get you guys out of here and we're going to take care of the situation. But I think, again, the amazing thing here is, and, and I think it's a sad state within the Christian community as well too, is when the world is able to call our integrity out. Here's Pharaoh and he's calling the integrity out of Father Abraham. And that's a sad thing. You know, we can comment on, you know, like to make fun of all the pastors who get up, and I'm not going to name the names of, that are, you know, fake pastors, and they're, they're, they're name and claiming, their gospel is wrong, and they're just leading people astray, and we like to make fun of those, oh, those pastors, oh, well, you know, it's the time, you know, tickling of the ears, and, and we like to blame them. Like they blame them for the culture of what Christian society is right now. You know who's to blame for the Christian society right now, Christian society? It's us. It's us that interacts with the world every single day. It's us that, that cheats on our, our taxes. It's us that, that kind of slides something around and gets something by somebody. Why? Because, well, I just need to get the next buck. It's us who doesn't fulfill a, a, a promise when we make a promise to a neighbor. It's us who says that, you understand what I'm saying? 
that pastor has no interaction with my neighbor. I can promise you most of my neighbors don't, don't watch Christian pastors, but they watch me. And my interaction with them is, is greatly and more important than whatever that pastor is saying to them at that moment. So again, Christian, where's your integrity? Are, are we going to allow the pharaohs of the world to come in and tell us that we're not living a right way? Now, I have people that tell me that I'm doing wrong and I've had a business before and you call yourself a Christian? I do. And just because you think that that was wrong doesn't make that that the truth. Live the right life. Live a life that's worthy of the calling of the gospel. Okay, it doesn't mean that everybody's gonna agree with you, but can you stand before your God and say that that was right? That's the Christian community. You know, can this church be the one that, that walks into a world and they say, well, I've met a lot of Christians in my life, but that right there is what I was expecting to see from a Christian. The way that they just prayed for me, even though I didn't ask for it, the way that they just helped me out when I just needed something, the way they just mowed my yard because they saw it growing a little bit higher and they knew I was a single mom and, and I just needed a little bit of help. Or your neighbor who leaves the country for three weeks and, and his grass is growing up and you know the homeowners association is just waiting to send that letter out, you know, and, and you just go over there and you mow his yard for him before he gets back. Christian, are we willing to be those people that just impact the world that is around us and don't allow these pharaohs to come into our life to be able to tell us what we have done? And just for the record, on the other side too, I don't think that, um, that he had had relations with, with Sarah as well too, the pharaoh, because he said in verse 19, he says, I could have taken her as my wife. That's implying at that moment that I could have had relations with her and I didn't. Well, thankfully for the rest of us later on, the Pharaoh says, you know what? That's it. I'm done with it. Pack up your stuff and get out of here. And at first I was like, I wouldn't have given him his stuff. But again, that's because of the, the, what, what God had done as far as sending all the different plagues upon Egypt that he's like, you know what? I want you out of here and I want you gone. I want nothing to do with you. So what does Abraham do or Abram do? He says in verse, chapter 13, verse one, it starts off. It says, then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold and went on to his, his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai and to the place of the altar which he had first, he had made there at first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And so Abram heads back to his altar where he had left before he went for the big journey. So he heads back and he says, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do at this moment. I'm sure the, the, the travel back was pretty quiet between he and Sarai, probably amongst everybody that was part of that. They're like, what did Abram do? And so they're heading back and, and Abram's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe I messed up going down to Egypt trying to handle things on my own and try to do things on my own, but you know what I need to do? I need to go back to that altar. I need to go back to the beginning where the Lord had spoken to me. And he heads back to that altar and he says, Lord, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know why you just saved me, but you did. And he humbles himself before the Lord. James 4.10, it says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And so, Christian, as you go through those times in your life, and yes, you stumble, and oh, man, I blew it. I, I said that terrible thing to that person, or I, I, I made a mistake, and now my family has got to pay for it or whatever. And, and, but, but go before the Lord. Immediately humble yourself. Again, it, the Lord doesn't expect us. To, well, you know, I think it was Alan Redpath who said, yeah, what does the Lord expect from you? He expects you to sin. He expects you to sin. It's not a point where we're going to live a perfect life and we're going to, to offer up a, a, a perfect life. Well, we can't. We're being sanctified. We're not glorified yet. We're not in heaven. We're not in a heavenly body. where we're not. No, we're, we're still here. We still make mistakes and we still stumble and we still fall. And, but the point is, are you going to then go back to the one who forgave you for those sins? You get down your knees and you come before the Lord. And if you need to, you bring your wife with you and you, you bow before God and you just say, Lord, I, I blew it. And I'm asking you to please forgive me. The Lord says, you know what? There's going to be some wages to the things that you just did. But yes, I want, I want you back. 
Let's get you back in the game. Let's get you dusted off. Let's get you cleaned up so that you're ready for the next day of, of whatever the, the promise that we're going to work on together. Again, remember last week, Ephesians 2.10 is he's got, he's got things for us to do. He's got, he's got works for us to do. And, and he's like, I want you to, to get on the game. Let's, let's get right before me. Ask for forgiveness. Let's move on. I, I don't want to talk about that anymore. So he humbles himself before God. And it's a good thing he comes back to the altar. And then he just, he, he humbles himself there. And he asks the Lord for forgiveness. And I think the Lord picks him up and he gets him going. Verse five, it says, Lot. Now, again, remember last week too, I said I wasn't so sure that Lot was supposed to be with him at this point. You know, he had said, leave your kindred behind, leave your family behind. And next thing you know, Lot's in the group and he's heading down there, which I get. Again, I've got nephews and I love them greatly. And um, so here's Lot, okay? So Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And now the land was not able to support them and that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and, and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock and the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they all dwelt in the land. So that, that now there's not, it's not like they've been there for a long time. They just kind of showed up and they've got all this big entourage of, 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 of herds and, and the flocks and they've got people with them now. We're going to find out how many people that, that Abram had with them as well too. So there's, there's a lot going on here. And then you've got a civilization that's happening as well, too. You've got, you've got two different, they've got the Canaanites and the Perizzites there, and they're, they're there in that land. And so you just kind of show up and they're like, you know, how, how's this going to work? And so then we're all trying to take care of our people. And, and so Lot's guys kind of start getting into it with, with Abram's guys, and, and they're fighting and they're, they're scuffling and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because they're just trying to survive. So you kind of understand that. So verse 8, it says, so Abram said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren, we're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please, listen, separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll take the right. Or if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. I just want there to be peace here. And I think it's important here too that I think either Abram's really gun-shy at this moment to make a decision, or maybe he's learned from his decision previously with Egypt. And he says, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't want this. I know the Lord's going to provide for me. I know that his promise is true. So listen, Lot, I, you make the decision. You, you want that way? I'll go the other way. I just, I just want peace between the two of us so that I don't have to make this decision and then I can then truly trust in the Lord at that point. So verse 10, it says, And Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, and that it was well watered and everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, it's before this happened. It says, and like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, you go as far, you can go as far as toward Zor. And then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and the Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. And Lot lifts his eyes and he sees that everything is good. When I read that, the first verse that came to my mind was 1 John 2, 16, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. Lot, we don't see where Lot has a spiritual relationship with God. We see where Abram does. Lot looks up and says, oh, man, I can't imagine a better place than this. I mean, look at it. It's fertile. There's grass. There's water. You know, I don't have to worry about anything at this moment. I mean, I, 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 I think it's a no-brainer. I think we just take it. It's no consideration for Abram, who's, who's taking care of him. Abram brought him out of the land. He, he brings him down, takes care of him probably while he's Egypt. I'm sure he's, he's also made a little bit of money on the side after their trip to Egypt. So Abram, he, he's, he's been on the coattails of him the entire time. Doesn't worry about his uncle. No thought to what is best for him and his family. All he sees is the greed. He sees the opportunity to, to even prosper more than what I've already gotten. Verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give you and your descendants forever. 
And I will take your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees by Mamre, and which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord. And so again, he, 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 he moves forward. And, and so it's a contrast between what Lot does and Lot moves in closer to Sodom. And we find out that Sodom is actually full of wickedness and idolatry. And so again, so Lot takes this, this non-relationship with the Lord and he moves his family to a place that is just wicked and awful. I mean, again, can you imagine just, just pulling up your family and, and, and just letting them live there? Is that the influence that you would want in your family? But God steps into Abram and says, hey, don't, don't worry. I want you to look around. Again, my promise is still true to you. This is what I'm gonna do for you. And walk in all of this, it's yours. And again, we see Abram with a tent, no, no house that he has. We see him again with an altar. And again, he breaks down and he has an opportunity to worship the Lord. And it's a reminder of the value of worship and acknowledgement of the Lord and his position in our lives. Again, as you walk through your life, again, you may not have everything that you want in your life, but do you have the peace that transcends all understanding? Again, there are things that we all want. You know, again, I've already mentioned the car situation, so I'd like a nice big truck or something like that. You know, maybe the Lord will bless me with that someday. Maybe he won't. Maybe I'll start Ubering or taking roller skates or skateboard. Or bicycle. I hear those are really popular at this church, so I have to get new pants and stuff like that so I can. It's a reminder for us to value the worship and understand who the Lord is in your life. It's an acknowledgement that the Lord has a position in your life, that he's the one that we trust. He's the one that we need to look to. Again, too many times we are on our own, our lots in our life, and we just act out within our own flesh. And God still continues to intervene in Abram and says, Abram, listen, listen to me. I've got a promise for you. I'm the one who's gonna take care of you. So we move on to Genesis chapter 14. It says Lot's captivity here. And it comes to pass in the days, of, and I'm gonna read a really bad, a bunch of names here. Um, I'll probably mispronounce them several different ways, several different times, so you can have an opportunity to pick the one that you want. So, and it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Eleazar, this one here, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shidnab, king of Adma, Shemember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela. And all these joined together in the valley of Siddim. Twelve years they served that guy, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year, this guy and the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephium and Astura, Kernium, and Zuzim, and Ham, and Emim, and Shaviv, Kerithium, and the Horites in their mountain of the Seir, as far as the El Paran, which is by the wilderness." And then they turned back against Cain and, and came and came to in Mishpat and attacked all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hezazon, Tamar, and the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, those are easy, and the king of Adma and the king of Zebulun and the king of Bela went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim. And against this person, king of Elam, title king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elasar, four kings against five. And now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. And then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. And they also took Lot, again, there's Lot, Abraham's brother, son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods. And again, now he's dwelling in Sodom. Before he was on the outskirts, now he's in Sodom, and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Memar and the Amorite, brother of Eshgol and brother of Anar, 
and the, they were allies with Abram. Now that when Abram heard that his brother um, had was taken, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night and, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods and as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva after his return from the defeat of that person and the king who were with him. And so again, there's these nations, what basically is happening here is these nations have been paying tribute, okay, to have peace for the last 12 years. And so one year they're just like, we're done. We're not paying this money anymore. We're not gonna have it. So for a whole year, um, this king says, they haven't paid us? That's what's going on here? So he gets all these other kings together and says, you know what? We're going to go wipe them out, take all their materials that they have, all the stuff. We're going to go get our money, and then we'll just, just take them over. We don't have to get the tribute anymore. So they go and they do that. And so they take down there. And so Lot, again, causing trouble for Abram, is, is again, caught in the middle of this. Okay? Because why? Because he's in Sodom. He's not supposed to be there. Again, it's a wicked city. It's a place that he shouldn't be living in. But again, being caught up by the desires of his heart and the eyes that he sees, he's now living within the city, again, that we've already heard that he shouldn't be in. And so someone escapes. He gets captured. Someone escapes, and they run to Abram and say, hey, listen, Abram, I guess I gotta let you know, man, there, there's a big war up there, and, and your, your nephew, Lot, he's, he's been taken. His, him and his whole family, everything, they, they're, gone, they're all gone. Like, they took him. Now, Abram, being a lot like me, would have been like, you know what? Good. That guy's been nothing but trouble for me for the last two chapters. I'm tired of it. He got what he deserved. I told him not to go. He never should have taken that land anyways. That was mine. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm the uncle. Like, I should get like that kind of stuff. You should take care of me. He, no, it's not what he does. Abram, again, at this point, obviously a much better man than I am, except for the previous chapter. Just know that, Christine, I never would have done that. And so... <laughs> So he's growing, okay? I'm already there on that part, but the nephew, I would have turned him in. He would have been gone. So, but we get to see now the characteristic of this man. So as, as we've seen Abram grow now over the last couple chapters, now we get to see a different part of who Abram is growing into. And maybe the point of, as, of what God is looking at and saying, yeah, there's, there, here we go. This is Abram. Now he's moving. And we get to see Abram, the warrior. And, and, and this is just another char- characteristic of this man. And I'm sure over the travels that they've had moving down to where they were at and then going to Egypt and then coming back that they've, they've probably had some raiders come in. They've, they've probably had to have some kind of protection. So they've got guys that have been trained, as it says that, to be able to defend and be able to fight. And, and Abram is, is well too. He's like, man, I, I gotta protect what I've got here. And so they're ready for this, this battle. But again, can I just tell you? I mean, this, this is five kingdoms. Now this isn't like, you know, like massive kingdoms, Rome and stuff like that, but but these are tribal warriors. I mean, they, they just did get done conquering four other areas. So these are people who know what they're doing. But we also get to see a different part of this man as well too, Abram. We get to see a man of, 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 of his character and of his integrity. Character and integrity. And again, Abram could have acted out and like, acted like he didn't hear what had happened. I, I don't even know this guy a lot, who you're talking about. What's, what's going on here? What, what's happening? I, now I don't have time to get out of here. But this is what men and women of character do. They, they rise up when they see that there's a need. They rise up when they see that there's a problem. They rise up when there's, there's something that is wrong in the world or in the community that's around them. They, they rise up. In this case, it could have cost Abram his life. If nothing else, it's going to cost him the lives of some of his people that have been with him their entire lives. And as Christians, we should be motivated by the fact of, one, if I've been forgiven and and if I'm supposed to give my life for the Lord, if I see something that is missing, if I see something is wrong, then, then I should be able to rise up and be able to attack that opportunity. And to make a difference and, and, and make an imprint within the world, again, not for Kevin's glory, but for, but for the Lord's glory. And sometimes that means that you have to have hard conversations with people. It means that you have to stand up for, at abortion clinics. It means that you have to have hard conversations with people so that they understand that there is a truth and there's a value in the world. And again, it starts with us. 
that we as Christians have got to be the truth and the standard in the world so that the pharaohs cannot come out to us and talk about our integrity. I'm one of those weird guys that I shouldn't do it. I do it, and I get all fired up, and I know it. Like, next time, don't read the comments below whenever you see something on Facebook or whatever. I do it. I shouldn't, okay? I'm just letting you know right now. That's probably one of my biggest sins, because then I get all fired up and I'm mad, and I'm like, who are these people? Like, they don't even know me, and they're calling me out. But they're calling some of us out. You know, Christian, oh, the Christians are saying this. Why don't you do something about it? <sighs> You're partially right. I don't know. Oh, you're just going to pray for somebody? Oh, just pray and give good, good thoughts. You know, that's wonderful. There goes the Christians again, just praying for somebody. We should pray for people. We should also act. There's a point where Abram here could say, you know what? That's it. He's on his own. That's not who Abram is, though. He's like, that's my family. You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to chase these guys down. You know what, when we get there, we're going to devise a plan. We're going to split up. We're going to, we're going to attack them. And you know what, we're not just going to take that stuff. We're going to chase them all the way back. I'm not happy with them being here. I'm not happy with what they did. I'm not happy with what they did to the women and the children and the towns that they burned down and, and whatever it is that they did. We're going to go after them, and we're going to make this right. Christian, let's get excited about what the Lord has done. Let's get excited about the opportunities. Let's not let's look around the world and go, well, it's over, man. I just wait for the Lord to come back and man, we can just be out of here, you know, and let the world be the world. We're still here. You know, like, it's, it's be disciples, but it's also go into the world and make a change and make a difference. And, and it doesn't mean to get people saved. Being, making disciples means that you're taking them in, that you're spending time with them, and that you're the one-on-one -on -one time at times, or the, the fact that you are going to somebody's house late at night to pray for them, and that you're willing to be able to be a sacrifice in that, that you're willing to take a time to, to go in and, and volunteer some, I mean, be active in the world. Abram is rising up at this moment, and I think the call to us is, is to rise up as well. Don't accept to where you're at right now and just go home tonight Go to bed, wake up tomorrow, go to work, come home, go to bed. I did my devotions. Oh, okay. Man, I, I, I believe Christianity is it's an action word. There has to be action to what we do and what we believe. There has to be something that, that tangibly people can see that you've done other than just, I'll pray for you, brother. Go hug him. Give him a tissue. Be with them. So here they are, and they activate, and they motivate. And lo and behold, the king of Sodom comes out and to greet him. Where's the king been the whole time? You know, his whole town is gone, his people are gone, and now the king comes out. You know, oh, Abram, brother, thank you so much for saving my entire everything. We move on in verse 18, and then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was a priest of, of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, and who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Who did it? God did it. And Abram's response there, he, says he, he ties and gives tithe to everything that he has. Now the king of Sodom and said to Abram, and give me the persons and, and take the goods for yourself, you know? But Abram said to the king of Sodom, he said, ah, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what is the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Askel, and Mamre. Let them take their portion." And Melchizedek is one of the most inter interesting people in the Bible. And many of you tonight were like, yes, we're going to get to this one tonight. Might be a little disappointing when we get done. But so in Hebrews 7, 2, we understand that his name means the king of righteousness. And this title is the king of Salem. Salem is, probably means that he came from Jerusalem, the Salem part of that. And it means king of peace. He's also the first priest that's mentioned in the Bible. And some will say that he's a, this is a theophany. A theophany is, is an appearance of God within the Old Testament, like an actual physical touchy appearance of God, or in this case, that it might be Christ. 
When we see these theophanies, we see them in Genesis 18, okay? God speaks to Abram about the promise of the birth of Isaac. We see it in Genesis 32 where, where he wrestles with Jacob. You guys remember that story? That's an awesome story. But I don't think that's one of these times. I believe Melchizedek is, is a Christ-like image. And obviously a, a great priest and a tremendous reputation, especially to be a man and a priest to come from Canaan, where just, there's just debauchery and there's idol worship there. I mean, to be a man of, of this stature, to be able to come from that place is just amazing with everything that's going on there. King David will mention him in Psalm 110 and, and the writer of Hebrews in chapter seven. And for tonight's study, however you believe is fine. There's lots of commentators on both sides that will argue both ways. And, and I, like Pastor Carl, I don't like to get caught up in the isms of life. I don't like to get caught up in what, what this is as well, too. However you believe it is great. Either one would be completely fine. You could talk me into being that it would be Christ as well. But please don't get lost in the weeds because you're going to miss the story and the purpose behind why he's here. Melchizedek appears at the perfect time to remind Abram at this moment of who really won the battle. The king of Sodom is about to offer him the spoils of your great accomplishment. And here comes this pastor, this priest, to remind him that we all know that it wasn't you. It's this king of righteousness and this king of peace that comes to offer the substance, the sustenance that they need, the bread and the wine, and they're, they're, they're weary, they're tired from the battle that they just had. And here comes this priest and he gives them the, the bread and the wine and, and he declares, listen, Abram, blessed be Abram of God most high. I am a brother just like you. We don't know how Melchizedek comes to know the God, and we don't have that background as far as that as well, too, but, but, but he's telling Abram, man, blessed be Abram of the God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, the God that we worship, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And so Abram would have been, obviously he could, would have had the temptation to be like, man, my guys just kicked a lot of butt here. This was awesome. Did you see what we did? We went in there, we took these big kingdoms and we just took them down, we brought everybody back. Here's Lot, you know, go, you know, stop being dumb and doing these things. You're like, come back and be careful what you're doing. Christian, we need to have those people in our life. We need to have people that will keep us grounded. That when you're coming off a time where you're like, man, that was just incredible. Did you just see what I just did? Just be careful. Again, because the Lord, you know, has used a donkey in the past, okay? The Lord Jesus also says when he's walking into the city, like, these people are cheering. Well, if they didn't, the very rocks would cry out. So those are our replacements, donkeys and rocks. Okay, so the fact that the Lord uses you at all is just amazing. We're on the same level as them. But you need those people in your life to be able to keep you grounded so that you really do keep the focus of the Lord in your life and then be others-minded. Abraham recognizes what's happening here, and man, he ties back to this. He's like, man, just, just tie back. Guys, whatever we've got here, 10% of my stuff, I, I wanna give it back to him. You keep doing the ministry that you're doing, and you keep serving God, and you can continue to, to lift other people up. The contrast in there is the king of Sodom is gonna come out, and he says, he says, Abram, listen, man, can you just give me my people? Why? Because I need them to still work and I need them to pay taxes to me and things like that. But you know what? You just go ahead and keep the stuff, man. man I really appreciate the, all that you've done for me. And I know that I wasn't in the battle. I was back here, but I appreciate what you and your guys did for me. And you just keep the stuff. And Abram says, no, no way. You're not gonna tempt me with your things and with the stuff of this world because I don't wanna be like my nephew and be tempted by the, the things that I see. And when God fulfills his promise in me, nobody will be able to take the glory from him. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward and I'm forward-minded. I'm not just on the things that I can see right now and touch right now, but, but me, Abram, I'm, I'm focused for the future. I, I've made mistakes and I know that God has told me of the plans that he has and I will, I will, I will, I will, and God's gonna do those things in my life. So you keep your stuff, I don't want it. It's all gonna burn anyways. You'll find that out in four, three or 4,000 years when they write the book of Revelation that it's not gonna come with us anyways. 
So where are we at tonight? Christian, where are you at tonight? Christian, are you in the middle of a famine in life? You just feel like, man, Kevin, there's just, it's, it's a desert. And quite honestly, man, I'm, I'm just going through it. You know, I, I just, finances have dried up, you know, or relationships have dried up, or I just, wherever I'm at, this, the famine of life has just really taken me over. Christian, tonight, are you in the middle of a lie? It's just, Kevin, there's a lie that I've, I've told, and I've just been living a lie, and, and I, I don't know how to tell anybody, and I don't know, I don't know how to get out of it, and I don't know to, to where are you even to start. Start with the Lord. You can humble yourself before the Lord, and, and he will be the one that lifts you up. He wants you to come to him and tell him those things. Christian, tonight, have you come back to the Lord? Tonight, are you walking in faith? You're like, man, Kevin, you know what I just did? I came back to that altar. You know, we were talking about in Genesis chapter 12, and, and man, just the, the fact of coming back to that altar, and I've recommitted my life. I praise the Lord. But, but stay on that path. Continue to have that altar written down so that you can go back to it, that, that you can refer back to it, that, that when you go through the famines of life and when you go through the, the mistakes in life, whether it's a lie or something else, that I, I can be humble enough to come back to this place and I can, I can, I can be lifted up by the Lord. And Christian, tonight, are you being tempted to take God's glory? Yeah, I, Kevin, I've got, to be honest with you, man, I've got the perfect family. I've got money in the bank. I got 401k and, you know, I play golf every day. I ride my bike every day or every other day or 20 miles at a time. What did you ride today? Five? Five miles. That's just a warm-up. I didn't even sweat yet, you know. Some people are like that. <laughs> but sincerely, where are you at tonight? There's an opportunity where you need to come forward and ask for a prayer tonight, then come forward and ask for prayer. There'll be pastors up here. If there's elders here tonight, please, please come forward. Don't, don't leave tonight with, with something that's heavy on your heart that the Lord is, is already kind of prodding and kind of working in you. Do not leave tonight without making it right with the Lord. If you're here tonight and you're like, Kevin, I've been here forever, but I, I still haven't accepted the Lord. Tonight, today's the day of salvation. Again, tomorrow is not promised, that I can tell you. Again, tonight, if you don't know the Lord, come forward. We would be we'd happy. Sharon might turn the lights off, but we'd still be here praying and, and talking to you and whatever that needs to happen. We, we would love that opportunity. Make it right with the Lord tonight. Be humble before him, and he will lift you up. Amen. Father God, I just thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for the saints that are here. God, I, I do thank you for Abram and the fact that you did write down all the wonderful things that he's done and the mistakes that he has done as well too. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to work in each of us and call us into repentance if we need that. This evening, if anybody needs prayer, please, Lord, prompt them to come forward and help us to pray with them, talk to them, Lord, and to make them right with you tonight, God. And we ask this in your name, amen.